It is time for another Amateurs Fantasy Sports Podcast. episode of the NRL Fantasy Amateurs. It's Mark here with Ryan and mate, we're doing uh, our second attempt at, at doing the Melbourne Storm and the Newcastle Knights today. But mate, I think we learned a lot in the last podcast at the lot the lost pod, and <laughs> and I think we'll be better for the experience. What do you reckon? Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy just to talk about Ryan Pappenhausen twice in a week. That's uh, yeah. it's always fun. You you had a really uh, good opportunity there to say. I'm happy instead of I'm happy, and I'm disappointed you didn't take the opportunity to make the pun. <laughs> pun master. Yeah, that's all right, mate. Uh, mate, so I guess we'll, we'll start right there with the Melbourne Storm. Obviously, the fullback's going to be Ryan Pappenhausen, so uh, we there's no no confusion there with Melbourne Storm on the NRL website. They've start, managed to stuff a few of them up, but they got this one right. So, mate, talk me through Ryan Pappenhausen and why he was the first player selected in your fantasy team this year. Yeah, I think he's one that um, doesn't need too much of an explanation. I think everyone in their dog has found him at uh, 38.6% ownership currently. That's actually too low in my opinion. Um, yeah, obviously coming off a season from hell where last year um, I was very early on the Pappenhausen bandwagon of um, saying that you know he was in line for a big season. It, just because of the way Bellamy was using him in 2020, it changed a lot throughout the season and it carried over into 2021. Um, came out and absolutely lit the world on fire until unfortunately... Uh, picked up an injury in round six, and then he was, uh, what, 10 minutes back into round 10, and he got his head knocked off. And, yeah, because of that, mm. we've ended up with a very, uh, you know, bargain-priced Pappenhausen here at 51. Um, we're projecting him in the what, mid to high 60s, I believe. So, yeah. uh, he doesn't I mean, even That's even with the six-point reduction uh, in the tackle bus at 5.9 per game. He's still in the high 60s, I think, mid to high 60s. And, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if he's a... Uh, He's a uh, the number one wing fullback this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I mean, how high do you take him in drafts? Him and Turbo should be, you know, I mean, it's really it's Cleary, and then you know you could make a case for Turbo, Pap, or Harry Grant as the next three. I think really. Yeah, it's a bit of a tough one because I mean, like, like a lot of um, draft strategy is around position scarcity as well. Um, mm. you, you know, because once you get past what's a uh, Pap and Turbo, there's a little bit of a drop off there because, like, we're expecting Teddy to drop back yeah. a little bit with the reduction in tackle busts. Um, 10 so, points, I mean, the next guy. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's got to be considered a first round pick, doesn't he? Yeah. I'd be taking him top five, six. Yeah. 100%. Yep. No, love it. Put him in your team. Don't ask any more questions. Uh, left wing, right wing. Uh, so, obviously, we're going to see George Jennings more than likely on the wing. It could be Dini or Amir, but either way, I don't think they're particularly fantasy relevant. Uh, and then, obviously, Ole and Remus Smith in centre is not fantasy relevant to start the year. But Xavier Coates out on that wing. I think he's going to be on the right wing. That's where he played for Brisbane. I know he's replacing Josh Adokar, but I, if I've, everything I've seen of him has been on the right wing. Um Mate, he's an interesting one because, I mean, obviously he's in a pretty popular, he's in 31.6% of teams. He's kind of in the, he's in this awkward, I don't quite think he's got 10 points of value, but his his price point and scoring potential, what we could see from him, kind of allows you to do a lot more with the rest of your team. So he kind of, his price creates value, even though he doesn't necessarily have value himself. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, because he's one of these funny ones where, like, because, I mean, this year so far, like, obviously a lot can change between now and uh, March, but this year so far, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of cheapies that are putting their hands up. Um, no. I, I'm sure one or two might pop their hands up before March, but, yeah, right now, like, Coates is looking like one of those guys that you sort of have to have to, you know, maneuver money elsewhere into your side. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of a lot of people are just, you know, picking him on the hopes that, um, just moving to Melbourne and the, you know ridiculous point scoring flurry that he's going to be the beneficiary of that and you know double that try scoring rate, which is really where the um, you know the the value is going to come. I, I suppose he could see uh, a, a decent increase in his running meters as well if he you know is getting those attacking stats versus Melbourne. So I, I, I guess that's where the value is coming from. But you know you're, you're talking about ten points of value. Like there's not a whole lot of players with you know even eight points of value this year. So no. um, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure he's got ten, but I mean, he could average 30 or 40 this year, and I wouldn't be shocked. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I, I just keep thinking about like a guy like Remus Smith, who we were completely writing off last year. And just by the yeah. fact that, um, you know, because like all indications where this guy's an average player, he's an average fantasy player, but just by the you know pure fact he's playing for Melbourne, um, you know, he managed to put up a 37 average, and he was going really gangbusters at the start of the year as well. So, I mean, there's every yeah. chance that Coase is one of those guys. Oh, mate, soft schedule for Melbourne. We've spoken about it in our article as well. They've got the softest schedule of any team for the first 10 rounds, uh, Melbourne do. And, yeah, he's just mm. an absolute – I think he's just a no-brainer. I'm probably willing to start him in most weeks to allow myself to to do some other stuff with my team, but we'll see how we go. Obviously not ideal, but I'll, we'll just, you know, we'll take it as it comes. But as it, as it stands, I've got him sitting in a wing fullback spot at the moment. So uh, Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes, very fantasy relevant, but not for round one. Um, Draft-wise, uh, obviously Munster's going to miss week one. I think both of them. I think I would take. I think I would take Hughes given the two. Yeah. I mean, he averaged more last year, and he was injured, and he doesn't play Origin. So in draft, you kind of have to take Hughes, don't you? Yeah, it does seem the logical option, doesn't it? Because you don't have to worry about is this bloke going to get a rest, um, you know, at the pointy end of the season uh, during that origin time. So, I mean, yeah, I, I tend to agree. And last year he just seemed to find a line break whenever he whenever he was scoring. He'd be scoring terrible and then he'd just make a 30-meter line break and save his yeah. day. Yeah, well, that's a th- good thing if he's not relying on kick meters as much or tackle bus because he is kind of a – it's more of a genuine score. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, not for round one. Let's we'll keep you posted and we'll uh, keep an eye on our website for Ryan's draft rankings to see exactly where he falls. How's that for a teaser? Hey. Left back row, right back row. Not expecting any changes there for NRL or for uh, fantasy. Obviously, we've got Kafusi and Kenny Bromwich there. Brandon Smith at lock. Uh, I don't think there's any value there. If anything, I think he's probably a bit overpriced. Uh, what what's your you know I, I mean he's I don't think his ownership is very high it's only around the five percent mark so I think most people I think that's probably more the uh, the the ghost teams you know ships in the night picking him up I think everybody else is smart enough to know he's probably not a buy at a, a fifty four price point yeah I think a lot of people are gravitate, gravitating to more towards Harry Grant at that ten point six percent ownership but yeah I, mm. I just can't I just can't do Brandon Smith I, I, he, he's probably gonna score more tries as well like he always seems to get those you know barge over tries near the line especially when he's playing lock um, but yeah he's just not one for me uh, I, I just yeah I just can't do it I just can't do can't do it unfortunately but Harry Grant is an interesting one what do you, what, do, you do you think uh, there's gonna be a minute split there or do you think Grant's gonna oh. pick up a lot more minutes? 
Mate, I, I think Green should play at the worst kind of high 60s to 70 minutes. Mm. Uh, I think uh, what I'm looking for is I want Jaden Nicarima to be named at hooker in round one. That's what I want to see. Okay. Because that will tell me Brandon Smith is playing in the middle and, you know, he's going to play lock and then, you know, he might fill 10 minutes and they'll have a Nick Meany on the bench or something like that. That's that's what I'm looking for. If it's Brandon Smith at nine and Jaden Nicarima on the bench, that will that will be my... I'll be less excited at that point. So, yeah. but yeah, I think Harry Grant, I think he's going to play 65, absolute worst up to 80 minutes a game. Uh, he's just scoring rates phenomenal. I've, I've kind of got him as a, you know, almost, I, ha- I, I don't like to use the word must, but I think he's going to average, I think he'll average more than Damien Cook this year, I think. So, mm. uh, and, and he's 50 grand cheaper. So any, I mean, he's, he'll play origin more than likely, but you know, I don't so think we'll that's going to impact what he's doing for Melbourne and Cookwell as well. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, I really like Grant. He's been one of the players that hasn't moved out of my team the whole time. Yeah. Do you have him? Uh, not currently, but that said, I don't have a full team at the moment. I've just been sort of picking okay. and changing players I like. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, he's been locked into my starting hooker spot the whole time and I'm, I'm just means you've got to have a hooker back up round one, but... Yeah, no, he's um, yeah, he's he's straight in there for me. Obviously, the other starter that we need to speak about, obviously Jesse Bromwich is going to take up one prop spot. The other prop spot's going to be occupied by Christian Welch. Uh, we've done an, an in-depth dive on Christian Welch. Uh, he's, uh, I mean, the big thing for him is the whether you put any stock into the uh, the stepping up without Fanukin factor. And I'm a big believer. I think that's true. I think it's more of a um, like it's a, a perceived leadership role type thing. He seems like that sort of guy, you know, yep, okay, I'm the leader. I've got to make those little couple of little extra efforts. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I think he's going to have a really big year this year. Uh, he could push into the up close to 60-minute mark, uh, particularly if they end up letting Brandon Smith go early or, you know, he gets into the doghouse or injury suspension, da-da-da. He's the guy who's going to soak the minutes there. And, and you know, I think he's a... At worst, 52, 53-point average. At best, 55 to 57-point average. He does double the amount of offloads per game as what he does tackle bus, which is great for the new rules. Uh, I think it was like 4.7 offloads a game or something like that, which is just ridiculous. I mean, he is going to play origin more than likely, but, you know, by that time, you know, let's say he averages 55 over the first 10 weeks in that soft schedule where, you know, he's being asked to play extra minutes and, you know, then you got a you know an easy upgrade to a McInnes or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and it, it definitely with the you know the lack of mids getting around right now, like the enticing yeah. mid options, he's yeah. That, I think that really rockets him um, into bike territory just because of the lack of other options in that position. Yeah. Now, I know you're all worried. Oh, last year he burned me. Blah blah blah. You're all the same people that were saying you weren't going to buy turbo last year as well. Just put your bloody previous year's scars ahead up behind you and suck it up and and make the correct choice. Well said. Yeah. Uncle Mark tells you. Now, the bench is an interesting one because we have a completely different bench to them, uh, aside from Nick Meany. So they've got uh, on their website, they've got uh, a safer solo owner agreeing to take the jab and they've got Chris Lewis on the bench, uh, as we've got Josh King and Jordan Grant, um, two more genuine props. I really think it's, it has to be Josh King. Um, he's going to be the 
the one. He's been there training the house down in inverted commas guy over the break. Uh, he's, you know, he's a standout performer. His points per minute's actually really good. I had a look at his games from last year where he played kind of 30 plus minutes and, and it was all, you know, it was over a point a minute. Um, so I think as long as he can secure a role on that Melbourne bench of 30 minutes, the old Tui Kamakamitha role, cause he's not going to be filling that role anymore. Uh, I think there's some, some good value there as a number 17, 18, you know, mid cover type guy. What do you, what do you think here? Yeah, no, I tend to agree. He's just one of those guys, though, you just have to keep an eye out for um, team lists or some news closer to the date because it's going to be one of those ones where you're not sure if you're going to be able to have him in your team until, you know, closer to round one. But um, if he is there, yeah, all signs point to um, a a decent cash cow. Yep, and obviously Jordan Grant, 240K, if he's in the 17 and looks to be there indefinitely, then you um, you can play him as well. Although just keep in mind there's a couple of guys suspended or out round one. So that might not necessarily be the best indication of what their team's going to look like long-term. So that might be a trap for young players. We'll see how we go. Newcastle. Mm. Now, one to five, we're in the same mind with them uh, in terms of that that would be Caelan Ponga at the fullback with Tuala and Heimel Hunt on the wings and Bradman Best and Dane Gagai in the centres. Uh, now, fantasy-wise, uh, I do want to mention both centres, although neither of them are fantasy-relevant to start the year. Obviously, Gagai, awesome last year, but we just can't can't start with him this year at the at that price point in this team. And Bradman Best, obviously, really tough draw for Newcastle to start off with and, and inconsistent and injured and all of these lovely things. In fact, I, I, I missed Bradman Best off our uh, run sheet for our uh, special guest podcast. I really mm. actually want to ask him about what do you think his thoughts are about Bradman Best. I was, yeah, I was just thinking, I've, I've, I just thought of another one as well. It's not really fantasy relevant, but I was just wondering about Edric Lee. He's just completely disappeared. <laughs> out of, uh, mm. like, I think he was due back like early rounds last year and he just yeah, missed the whole season. And I think he had a complication and a foot injury of some description. Mm. Uh, yeah, but I mean, they've got a, they've got a glut of wingers there. Uh, I mean, the, the NRL is better for having Edric Lee in it. Yeah, origin hero. Yeah, origin, <laughs> origin hero, origin winning hero, Edric Lee. Um, <laughs> speaking of origin winning heroes, um, this is not this guy's not one of those for some reason. Uh, although they make out like he is, Caleb Ponga. Um, I'm quickly as even as a Queensland fan, becoming to dislike Caleb Ponga. Um, I feel like he's one of those guys who. Uh, you know, people talk really highly about his ability, but he doesn't seem to win a lot of football games. Mm, yeah, I, I don't know if you can put that blame on Ponga, like what other people well, say. I'm not about blaming him. him, just but like you know, I'm not saying it's his no, fault. Understand. I'm just yeah. saying the correlations there. You know, mm, yeah, anyway, no, definitely a, a little bit over. <laughs> yeah, for fantasy, it's uh, <laughs> it's fantasy. not it's not looking better either. No, he's in big trouble. Uh, obviously, the uh, the tackle busts were a big part of his fantasy scoring, about 6.3 tackle busts per game. He's probably not going to be goal kicking this year. Uh, and, and the kick meter even where he got a little bit of an upside with a, with some kick meters occasionally, that's even been been cut down as well. So, I mean, he's really uh, – our um, theory with him is he's not fantasy relevant. Is that is that the best possible way of describing it? Yeah, outside of draft, I don't think you can touch him. 
Yeah, no, 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 no. And I think he's going to – people are going to reach for him with the name in draft. I wouldn't be in a hurry. I would take, you know, six rounds later, I'd take, you know, a Coates or a Stephen Crichton or something like that. I think you'll be surprised about the gap <laughs> between those guys. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it'll definitely be one, but I don't think it'll be as big as what it has been in, in the past. So, mate, uh, moving into the halves, they've got Adam Clune lift listed as partnering Jake Clifford where we have Phoenix Crossland. Um, it seems to me like Newcastle like Phoenix Crossland. Obviously, Clune's brand new to the club. It may be that they try Crossland first and see how it goes as he's kind of been there already. Or one of the, it might be one of those, you know, preseason battle type situations. Mm. Uh, are either of those guys fantasy relevant? And in your opinion, what do they do to the fantasy relevance of Jake Clifford? Um, yeah, I mean, firstly, I tend to agree that I think it will be Crossland at the half, given that the talk was that he was going to be playing as that, you know, that Connor Watson ball playing lock role prior to um, Mitch, Mitch Pierce's departure. So I think it will be Crossland in the half, at least to start the year. Um, as for fantasy relevancy, I, I don't think either are going to be um, buys this year uh, while they're partnering each other. Like if one was to, say, get injured and they opted to go with, say, Kurt Mann at 5'8 over, you know, Adam Clune. Um, then I think it could rocket one of them into um, into buy contention. But I just I think um, you know they, they're going to cannibalize each other a little bit. Like Clifford, obviously a good goal kicker, um, but he's not the attacking player that Mitch Pierce is. Like he doesn't have um, you know he, I, I just don't think he's at that standard that Mitch Pierce is yet. He, he could certainly get there, but I just don't see it currently. And he, he doesn't get the attacking stats that Pierce was getting with those you know, those tries, and it just always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. Like, similar to, like, Cherry Evans, um, it's, I think it's just mm. a difference between, like, the, you know, the above-average, you know, to elite halves that they just always seem to be in the right place at the right time. I think Clifford's missing that, and he, I don't think he's going to dominate the the kicking. Um, you know, there were games last year where he was partnered with Man, where he, you know, he racked up huge kick meters, but... Um, yeah, just I just don't see him taking 100% of the kick meters. I, I could see it being, you know, a bit more of like a 60-40, 70-30 split and with the reduction in kick meters, it just doesn't play well for him, unfortunately. No, and I mean, even then as well, the kick meters have been sort of reduced. So even if he does kind of get the lion's share, he has kind of relied on those a bit in the past. And it, yeah, as you say, he's not a noted kind of try scorer or anything like that. He misses a fair few tackles. We're kind of expecting Newcastle to take a step back as well, that was a pretty – it wasn't so much a premiership window, I think, for Newcastle as it was a premiership, you know, one of those – you know, when you go into the toilet and there's just the, the little piece of glass that opens like five <laughs> centimetres to allow the smell out, I think that was well, the premiership window. The, the premiership skylight. <laughs> <laughs> All you can do is look up at it, but it's not actually good for anything breeze-wise. It's just a little bit of, you know, giving you hope that you can see the sky. Oh, God. Oh, the Premiership Skylight. I like that. That's a new thing. (laughs) Poor Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Poor Newcastle fans. Anyway, so, yeah, no one in the Newcastle Knights halves there. Obviously, back row. Um, So, they've got – so, Tyson Frizzell is obviously going to take up one spot. Now, they've got Lachlan Fitzgibbon occupying the other back row spot. Obviously, the person that wrote that article didn't actually spend a lot of time watching – and Newcastle last year, pretty confident that Mitch Barnett's going to be the other back rower. Um, mm. Do you are you of that opinion, or do you think they're going to be looking for somebody else there? I think that's the 
smart opinion. Whether um, O'Brien chooses to go that direction, I'm not sure. Um, it, it seems like he really wanted Fitzgibbon to work out there last year, but his play just forced his hand and, you know, he found himself out of the side and also, you know, picked up a few injuries as well. So um, I, I'm hoping that we end up with um, Barnett there and we get, you know, get some big minutes out of Kurt Mann um, in the back row. But, yeah, I, I just... I, I just struggle to have faith in uh, Adam O'Brien to um, to not mm. want to give Fitzgibbon another chance, but I I, I hold out hope. <laughs> well, yeah, I get. I guess the other thing is, you know, I mean, for for me, what I what I'm really interested in in this Knights forward pack, if if it comes off this way, is, is Kurt Mann picking up the Connor Watson role of that fifty to fifty five minutes at lock. Um. And, I mean, the question is, can he do what Connor Watson did last year? Because if he can, he's a great pod halves option that I don't think anyone, particularly if he's named on the bench round one, you know, 0.4% ownership. He's similar price to Braden Trindle. Um, but, obviously, if he's playing that lock role, he's not going to be relying on the kick meter, goal-kicking type attacking stats. It's going to be more, you know, base stats. What are you? What are your thoughts yeah. on? Do you think Kurt Mann? I mean, we we are uh, obviously we're a heavily pro Kurt Mann podcast here. We are the 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 Kurt Mann truthers. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're doing a disservice if I didn't start with him. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we he's he's served us very well in the past. Um, you know, like. Mm. Like when was it? Was it twenty twenty? Where uh... two two years ago? Yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah, where like everyone was starting with Blake Braley and we opted for Kurt mm. Mann instead and you know, we were screaming at the hilltops. Yeah, we yeah. were screaming at the hilltops, fifty K cheaper and he yeah, just absolutely blitzed him. Um but no, look, I think you're right. If he is getting, say, fifty minutes, um, fifty to fifty-five in that lock role, he, he looks a very enticing option because he, he's gonna get those you know, those base stats tackles and um mm. in the meters. But the the uh, the thing that makes him uh, more interesting than, say, like your Alex Twal, who gets those same tackles and uh, meters gained, is that you know he's an attacking player. He can he can break tackles. Mm-hmm. He can throw the odd offload. It's and you know similar. We saw Connor Watson as well leaking up for some attacking plays occasionally too. And Kurt Mann's certainly capable of that. And yeah, I, I think he he looks very enticing if he does get that role. Yeah, I mean, he also adds an extra boot there. If you know, obviously yeah. Pierce is gone, they don't need it. But he, there is one there. He might spend 10, meter, 10 minutes at hooker. You know, obviously, Braley was getting a bit gassed towards the end of the year. It might be that, you know, that he, he's on the field. You know, he comes onto the field as a lock and then kind of, you know, in the second half, he takes 10 minutes at hooker and then goes back to lock or something like that. And Braley comes on for a forward. You know, something like that would that would work really well, I think. So it would be interesting to see because, I mean, that's how they used Watson at points through the year. And and you know it was that Brody Jones was the the guy who went out of the centres or whatever, and Watson soaked the extra minutes, or Clemmer soaked the extra minutes, or one of the Saifidis. So, I mean, uh, the rest of the forward pack is very unappetising between the Saifidis, Clemmer, and Jaden Braley. Um, you know, we're not going to be going anywhere near them. I do want to make a little quick shout out here to Pasami Solo, who um, is there. So they got Solo and they got that, um, you know, as we're talking about the 240K, we do need to highlight them. He is going to be more than likely in the team round one. Uh, the other one is that um, Moimasia, um, but he's at 300K. So whoever picks up that job, I mean, 
if they decide to go with Barnett at lock and bring Fitzgibbon in, that job's probably not very valuable. But in the Kurt Mann scenario where they, you know, that, that role's being taken, you know, there's an extra 20 minutes in that mid-forward pack, it might be worth a look. So I, I, mean, I guess it all depends on the quality. You know, we need a Daniel Alvaro. That's what we need at the moment. Yeah. There isn't one there, but, you know. Who knows? It'll, it'll be it'll be tough trying to figure out which ones you know the the one to buy because there's a chance they'll be both be in the side with um Suazo Sue. Yeah. yeah, he's out for the first two weeks with suspension, so you'll have to uh, keep yeah. an eye on which ones ahead. Yeah, it might be just who yeah. looks better in the trials, or if in doubt, go with the cheaper one and pray. Who knows? Or don't get either of them. Mm. I don't know, mate. I don't have an answer for you, and we don't even have Barry Tui anymore because he's retired. Shout out to Barry Tui. A, a great one, gone. Yeah. <laughs> He was for the boys. He was. All right, <laughs> all right mate. I reckon that might do it for this one. Uh, so all in all, um, Kurt Mann or Bust for the Knights, what do you reckon? Yeah, no, Kurt Mann and uh, Ponga overrated. That's the, that's the takeaway. <laughs> Love it. All right. I'm going to make the episode name Ryan says Ponga's overrated. Let's see what. <laughs> Dirty Sydney resident. No, that's right. I'm just busting your balls, mate. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Appreciate you tuning in and we'll uh, see you next time where we go through our next two teams in the preseason. Love you guys.